People are concerned. They're contacting me and saying, Greg, we appreciate your coverage of East Palestine, but we believe that the country is under attack, whether it's the uranium fire, the chicken plants that are burning, the accidents of chemical fires all throughout the country. People are scared. They want answers. And so today I brought in a hazmat expert, my good friend, Average Joe. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I am your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. You can find us at www.americaoutloud.com. There's hundreds of articles every single week, lots of great talent here, including myself, I'd like to say. But today I'm sitting across from my good friend, Average Joe. You heard him a little bit a while ago, maybe about a month and a half, Joe. Is that about right? Uh, probably about a month and a half, two months, yeah, before the holidays. Yeah, it was just before, you know, we all got jolly and cheer. Uh, so, uh, Average Joe joined us and talked about the starting prep. But I, I brought Average Joe on today because people keep asking me the same question, Joe. They say, Greg, is our country in a covert war? Are we at war right now? And we see warehouses exploding. We see chemical fires all over. Just yesterday, we had the K-12 plant in Oak Ridge, Tennessee that has uranium on fire. We have the East Palestine Railway that uh, completely tipped over with 50 plus cars with vinyl chloride going everywhere. And uh, people want to know, should we be concerned that there is more to it? Or is this just we're a little bit more aware? So I, I brought you on because you have a background in this. And so could you tell people what your hazmat title is, what your certifications may be or your education? Well, I'm a pro board certified hazmat technician and um, as well as uh, emergency manager for almost 12 years. And uh, so that was, that's really the, uh, really where we get into dealing with the hazmats as far as rail. So I think that was pretty much why he reached out to me. Cause that's, I have experience dealing with hazmats via rail. Now I will not sit here and say I am the smartest person in a room when it comes to chemicals. There are certainly a lot of smarter individuals than myself when it comes to that. So with emergency management, the goal was to really, you don't have to be the smartest person in a room. You just have to know those people. Right. And that's not for a lack of having good science teachers, because both of us had great science teachers. Yes, we I did. I know that for we, a fact. We did have great science teachers. All right. So you have an experience of doing the uh, kind of games, so to speak, that people mm -hmm. are paranoid of. The government gets together and they run these games and experiments, basically, uh, that says, hey, if this happens, how does everybody respond? You invite everybody in, in the state or the municipality, wherever you're doing this. And so have you ever been involved with uh, training for a rail uh, crisis? Absolutely. There's uh, part of it is the response aspect of it as an emergency planner, or I'm sorry, as a hazmat technician, you go through dealing with rail cars, uh, dealing with the leaks on them. You get into a level A hazmat suit. That's the big spacesuit for the folks that don't understand, uh, just trying to visualize for at home. These spacesuits where you have, uh, it's essentially the suit is encapsulated. And within that suit, 
you are wearing an SCBA to uh, in order to breathe. So it's it's kind of funny. And um, with some of the training, you'll see some folks get a little bit claustrophobic. Some of the biggest, baddest dudes will get claustrophobic in a suit. And have you ever gotten claustrophobic in that suit? No, not really, okay. because honestly, uh, being a firefighter since I was 15, I was used to using an SCBA and it just kind of use that as a, hey, that's my own little world. So for, for my listeners don't know what an SCBA is, just explain that. Um, basically scuba. That's what it, that's where the, the term scuba came from, but it's a self-contained breathing apparatus. So that's basically the, no, it's not just a, an air filter. I know a lot of people say they have a gas mask or a respirator or as folks have become familiar with in the recent few years with N95s, it is not something like that. It is actually compressed air, room air or regular atmospheric air. It's not oxygen. You're not taking pure oxygen in your tank. Uh, That would be another hazard. But uh, normal, regular atmospheric air compressed down into a tank, you probably have, depending on how fast you're working, how hard you're breathing, Somewhere you can get, you know, 25 to tanks are improving, obviously. So roughly you're getting 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how hard you're working, uh, as far as how much uh, you're breathing in, right? Like how much respiratory you're rate, yes, right, yeah, the that exertion that you're having and okay. things like that. So essentially it allows people to have a longer period, uh, to work within a hazmat situation right. versus just uh, a respirator or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm imagining as you go through different terms today, if I'm sitting here listening to something where I'm going, my listening audience may want clarification on that. Please do. Please I'm going to try to break down the legal lease, so to speak, Please of, do. of the hazmat there, experience. Please do. Some of us in emergency management and public safety have a, uh, a filthy habit of uh, really the acronyms <laughs> and everything else, right? Acronym city, baby. Acronym yeah, city. That's, a, that's every industry now. All right. So let's get straight into this. Okay. Let's, let's start with East Palestine. So I, I spent some time covering East Palestine, mm-hmm. uh, spoke to the people on the ground there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have friends that went out and they did reporting from the ground. People that spoke to engineers about the experience mm-hmm. and people are very concerned about Norfolk Southern mm-hmm. having their own people on the ground doing the testing with the EPA there and being told by Norfolk Southern, everything's okay. And then the EPA comes in. So the first place I want to kind of start is we have in our backyard, a refinery uh, that is just right up the road from my house that exploded maybe about eight years. Well, my son's eight. So it exploded probably about seven years ago, six and a half years ago. There was a fire there, but it wasn't an explosion. Okay. I'm familiar with the incident. Uh, okay. I was actually on scene for that. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was uh, a fire that released a massive amount of chemicals. Not, it was their largest release in their history. One of, in that company's history, uh, that there's been several incidents. I shouldn't say several, but there throughout the time of the area, right? Uh, different companies have owned that facility or facilities near there where there have been bigger fires. Okay, so perhaps but, with that company. But yes. here's where I want to come down to this. So Please. I remember Denrec. Uh, Denrec the, is Department of Natural Resources for some folks. Yes, for some so, folks here so, in Delaware, so. that's who I, I was speaking with. Okay. Uh, my son wound up in the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, lung infection, everything, and the hospital felt because we were all having like these bronchitis type symptoms, mm-hmm. and it was in the immediate aftermath of like the mm-hmm. next four days afterwards. They came out, they tested my soil, uh, they actually found part of the chemicals in the soil, um, but they said that there was not not anything that was lethal enough that they we should be concerned in any way. My mm-hmm. son literally. 
uh, had a horrible infection, almost died at AI Hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God for the doctors there. They yeah. got his lungs back to working capacity. Great there. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of trust for Denrec after that. An AI Hospital had said to me, "You may want to get an independent person to do testing." Um, so the first part is I'm talking to these people in East Palestine. They're like, you know, can we trust the EPA? Can we trust these local authorities? And so can you help calm or talk some maybe about independent testing and what the importance may be in trusting the government versus getting that independent test if you live out there? Oh, no, there's a whole lot of unpacking there. You, you I gave know. Me. So let me first say this, that as a um, hazmat responder as an um, expert in the field of emergency management hazmat response i would say that i'm not going to comment exactly because i don't have the exact details of east palestine yes we have some information do i know exactly what happened how the response was laid out no i don't so i I don't want to sit there and disparage the first responders because i can honestly tell you the first responders whether it be local state municipalities um they're just doing the best they can to contain a big turd sandwich you know some hazmat let's be honest the hazmat however you have it is not a pretty situation they're doing the best they can to contain something that is lethal or potentially lethal or threatening or hazardous in some way hazardous materials such as the name so the first responders i don't want to really sit there and disparage them because until maybe the after action report if there's something that comes out that maybe could have done better um perhaps and um you know so as far as that's concerned believe it or not hazmat response is pretty typical and i know we've had some off-air conversations and i referenced the emergency response guidebook so for some of your listeners that is basically the book that the dot puts out in reference to hazardous materials that are traveling via rail uh, shipping container of on the over the seas and over uh, over land uh, in the trucks. You'll see the trucks go by and they have placarding on them. Placarding being that kind of uh, diamond shaped uh, diagram it has the numbers on it to tell you how dangerous each thing is. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And so you can actually go online and look up the ERG. Uh, it's a little bit easier than trying to find the paper copy. Some for first responders, we can uh, we actually have a, a paper copy of the erg in um, most of our vehicles and on on hand in fact i actually recommend to a lot of our uh, other first responders just in case you don't have that there is an app for that Uh, (laughs) there there really is there's another app that um they may be doing away with called wiser that has a little bit more detail that is pertinent to the actual responders Um, and there's always new technology with new apps so i'm not sure what is actually coming out yeah, I understand no. Wiser is supposed to uh, finish out at the end of February, according to some people that I was speaking with. So it, it may be. Right, I, I yeah. don't want to. I, I don't know exactly if, when it is or if they're phasing in something new. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of information out there, and uh, for good reason. Now, the, the you gave with back to your original question. There is a lot to unpack with that. So, you know, I addressed the first responders as far as uh, you know. I think that they probably did the 
best that they can in the situation that is presented to them with the resources yeah, that they I, have. I agree. And, you know, the first responders are not Norfolk Southern in that immediate. It's all the fire companies that showed up. It's the brave people that were battling the blaze that were taking care of everything. I, I don't want to go there whatsoever. Right. I'm getting to the public trust of government agencies and Norfolk Southern as far as uh, getting their people on the ground to help assure people water safe, that the air is safe. Um, how should we trust those type of individuals? Well, anytime there's a hazmat incident, you're gonna the uh, the packager and the person who's transporting it is gonna be responsible for the cleanup. So they're a business; they are gonna be responsible for the cleanup. However, in the same vein that they are responsible for the cleanup, they're also the resident experts on the transport. Right. So they are the people that you want to ask about transport and different questions like that as far as the actual rail car and different things like that now going into trust in the government um that's a big (laughs) that's a fun question there um you know i can really say that trust in the government uh i say local like as, as we said with first uh first responders you know have faith in your first responders they're doing the best they can uh with the information that is presented to them at the time and with the equipment and training that they're given. Now, could there always be improvements? Yes. And they are steadily, believe it or not, even volunteer organizations are trying to steadily improve and, you know, volunteer fire companies, which believe it or not, a large portion of this country is serviced by volunteer fire companies. Right. So, um, those folks are really trying to do the best they can, uh, with what they have, uh, on hand. So, now, as far as government, I have a question uh, for you know for them as far as was there air monitoring done? You know, if should such an incident be done um, or ha- happen locally, you're going to have air monitoring done by the state. Now, is that going to be exactly? Um, is that going to be favorable to the residents in the best favor? maybe not you're going to have tolerable quote unquote tolerable limits according to science right and that's what these scientists are going to from it the, doesn't mean people may not have rashes people may not have some irritants but it's what's tolerable that's not killing somebody it's within the acceptable quote unquote, limits, yeah. and correct? that's that's with it that's within almost anything that's right. but in, i want to point that yes. out for for listeners that you know it could still be harmful correct it's just not harmful according to you might die tonight <laughs> correct that's that's you know that's that's kind of and i'm not you know, trying to laugh as no, no, i say no, but this that's, but it's, it's that awkward truth that that i think is worth bearing in this conversation right and you know my you know i can tell you that in certain organizations um i don't have as far as national government i don't have the most faith in in some of those you know so would you want to would you want to actually uh, get some of your own independent testing perhaps yes um you know something that some people may be doing something that you chose to do Right. Uh, you know that and you found hey this is a little bit more than the what is quote unquote the acceptable limits because right. you know we as we know with uh dorona uh, we have uh <laughs> <laughs> you know what is what is acceptable as far as the 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 death rate for that you know and what is acceptable for side effects of that vaccine or what have you right so there's every almost every industry has acceptable limits. risk reward <laughs> and that's and that's honestly what it is yeah. risk reward so you know they're gonna look at that and try to do the best they can so in in all of government uh 
you're trying to do the, and particularly in first responders, you know, you're trying to do the best you can for the most people that you can. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going right. to be able to get everybody uh, saved or prevent, you know, a catastrophe, you know, it just means you're doing the best you can with what you've got with the situation at hand. Okay. So here's, here's my follow-up to that. The EPA mm -hmm. uh, went out. And so the accident happened on February 3rd mm -hmm. and we're going to go through after the break, uh, the ERG response and what was mm -hmm. in the booklet as far as what they should be doing because I think that's going to help the people in East Palestine and the people in the country understand why the different actions happened the way they did. Yeah, but, but here's my, here's my question. So February 3rd, this thing derails. And it took them almost 18 hours before they set up this evacuation area. Once they set up the evacuation zone, they realized, oh my God, we got vinyl chloride leaking. This isn't chlorine, because that's originally what they thought it was. Uh, they finally find out it's vinyl chloride. They, they make this uh, one mile radius uh, evacuation zone. Which is pretty standard. Right, and we're, we're gonna talk about mm -hmm. that. On the 4th of February, the EPA was there and they're doing air uh, testing. Air monitoring, yeah. And they don't do any further reports to the public for almost 15 days. It takes until people like myself are doing reports before the EPA goes back out and does that. Is that normal that the EPA would do a test the day after and then they do a, uh, a burn? I'm not even going to call it a controlled burn for a reason in a second. But they do a burn <clears throat> of the rest of the chemicals and they don't test the air and release it back why is that part of the procedures that would take almost two weeks to come back out and then do an air test two weeks sounds a bit much in my uh my opinion with that one two weeks however there may be some long-term testing that they're working on right. however what it seems that from the information that you've gathered and from what i've gleaned from different news resources I don't think that the uh, PR folks, as far as the, uh, I shouldn't say PR, the public information officers are perhaps releasing as much information to the public satisfaction. And right. so I can understand that folks would be upset. And I'm not sure when you want to uh, address, you know, the... Uh, the radius and evacuation. Yeah, we can, we're going to take that. a commercial in a second. Then when we no come problem. back for commercial. We'll, we'll hit that part up. No problem. Yeah. Actually, why don't we take a commercial here? That All sounds right. like a great, great natural break here. Uh, this is going to be a longer show for everybody. If you're used to like a 40 minute show, I'm here for this entire conversation because if you want to know whether or not we're under attack, let's first get this East Palestine stuff. And then uh, average Joe gave me a little bit of information that I thought was interesting. And I want to really ask you some questions about, you know, people knowing what's traveling on our roadways and on our rail lines mm -hmm. and whether or not there could be some type of a attack on America right now. All right, everybody. Uh, as always, I've been telling you about the Genesis HOCL fogger. It's a fogger that takes out viruses and bacteria from your homes as well as mold or in your place of business. It's excellent. They even have an atomizer. You can plug in, set it and forget it and cover multiple square footage of your home. You can go to www.genesisfogger.com backslash out loud and you get a discount on that thing just for listening to my show. It's a good deal, right, Joe? That sounds like a pretty darn good deal to me. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Joe, here on the America Out Loud Network. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. 
This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. American second part of the show here, and I don't even want to say second part because I don't even know how many parts this is going. We are here to finish the conversation. We're going to continue on until we've covered everything to figure out whether or not our country is at war. That's what people want to know. We're going to get straight into the emergency response guide that you heard Joe talk about in the first part. He was calling it the ERG. Now, this is a guide that gets published. They have a booklet. The hazmat team goes out on site, and when a disaster happens, it's almost like a Bible that you can turn to a page, you can figure out what the chemical is, and you can figure out what the appropriate response should be. They also have an app for it, as you heard Joe say. And so this is something that you yourself can look up if you want to verify the information that Joe and I are going to speak about today. Now, in this booklet, it also helps identify what type of rail cars, what they would look like, whether they're high pressure cars, low pressure cars, no pressure, what they might be carrying. Uh, it also tells us what may be on the roadways as well. So you know what you're driving behind, whether it's dangerous. Now, the one thing that we know about is that vinyl chloride was released in an amount that we've never seen released before in the history of vinyl chloride releases on a railroad. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was released just about eight miles north of the Ohio River with streams and tributaries that would feed down there. And we discovered that there was uh, polybutylate that had made its way down into the Ohio River. Uh, But the vinyl chloride, they still seem like they're still testing to make sure it hasn't made it that far. But I would guess if the other stuff did, that probably did too. But there's different weights. So today, uh, Joe, let's talk about, all right, so we go out onto the scene, right? Someone mm-hmm. calls 911. Somebody yep. says a train's derailed, and this mm-hmm. was a really bad train derailment. It's on fire. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that when a, a 911 emergency response gets that call, what's the first thing that they're thinking when they're out to send out the firefighters? Because you were a, a firefighter at one point, mm-hmm. right? So what, what happens? Well, there's a multitude of things, and uh, the folks in a 911 center uh, are very adept at multitasking to a level that <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. It's it's hard to imagine how some of these folks. Uh, I've worked with the folks in 911, the way they multitask with the multiple information uh, resources that they have coming in, let alone what they have to put out to the responders. So, depending on what information is given in the call and what information is received uh, by the fire company. You're going to approach the scene. You're going to hear a dispatch for a train derailment. Uh, It's not going to say, it may say possible fire or possible um, cloud or whatever, whatever information that the caller is going to call with. They're going to try and give you as much information that they can glean uh, from that call and any information that they get. 
So we used to call it the uh, the thumb test. You you realize you're going up to a, a hazmat situation. You hold your thumb up, and if uh, you can you can see it outside your thumbnail, you're too close. Right? <laughs> so, okay, kind of a, that's a, that's kind of a joke, but uh, kind of kind of kind of works too. Um, so so this 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 lady that I spoke with in East Palestine, <laughs> she worked alongside where this thing derailed. Mm-hmm. When she heard it derailed, she ran down there with her cell phone to get video for her boss and stood alongside it. <sighs> and she was outside alongside it for about an hour and a half while the firefighters were working without protective you know breathing gear. Don't do that, right? <laughs> Right. And I mean, that was the first thing I was thinking as she's telling me the story. I'm like, oh my God, like, why'd you do this? At least the firefighters have respirators. They have all these things. Um, so the, the first thing is when the fire companies all arrive, she's out there, she's filming. It's like six degrees. Eventually she tells me, she's like, yeah, you know, they told me it might have chlorine on it. What am I doing there? And uh, eventually she goes, oh, this has chlorine. I'm driving home. You know, I live about a mile and a half away, so I'm driving home. Um, you know, wow. So the firefighters did not even know it was vinyl chloride that they were dealing with immediately during the initial response. Is that common to not know what you're dealing with? Well, what you're going to do is uh, uh, first thing you're going to try and normally with any hazmat, you're going to actually try in the, the weird thing. I shouldn't say the weird thing, but the, with the rail rail goes through some of our backyards mm-hmm. in between, you know, neighborhoods and things like that rail is also in uh, areas that aren't as easily accessible right so some folks with uh you may actually instead of getting an actual fire truck out there you may get some uh you'll get a fire truck of some sort but it may be sort of an off-road version of it to in order just to get to it so it's it's funny you have to i shouldn't say it's funny but you have to see where it's at where it's derailed how are you going to approach the scene? What is a safe way to approach the scene? You're going to take some, if I'm arrived, if I'm in a fire truck, I'm going to take some binoculars that should be in the fire truck or whatever uh, apparatus you're showing up in. I'm going to look and see if I, from a safe distance before I pull right up there, what is on the placard there? The placard's going to give you an idea and uh, as well as the numberings on the train. And that can, we can go into that in more detail, but I think that's probably a little bit too into the weeds for this conversation. Sure. Um, but you can get an idea just by a visual assessment of what's on the rail car. You're looking, as you said, the ERG has some of the shapes and outlines of what is in the tank or what t- the tanks are. So you can kind of ascertain, okay, this is a fuel uh, car. This is a box car. This is a grain car, things of that nature. Then you're going to look for the placard when you're going to look a little closer and you're going to look for that placard. And in that ERG that you referenced that I mentioned earlier as well, the you can look that number up that's on the placard and you can sit there and see, OK, this is what the chemical this is the supposed chemical that we are dealing with. And it will give you kind of a guideline, if you will, for an appropriate response as far as separating the uh or creating an area where you're going to not just, it's not always an evacuation, but you want to at least clear the distance or uh, clear a certain distance around it. One for firefighting purposes two uh, any potential hazmat exposure to anybody else. And the funny thing, I shouldn't say the funny thing. I keep saying the funny thing. The interesting thing 
is that when you do an evacuation, it's not as cut and dry as everybody thinks it is. No, and that's what I want to get into here. Okay, so right, let, 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 let's hit that. Okay, so so I'm go look, ahead, please. I'm, I'm looking at the emergency response guide, right? Mm-hmm. And I pull up and I see the vinyl chloride. Should there be an emergency, we pull over the 116P. And I pull open 116P, which is page 168 of this official guide that I have. It's, and a, it's a multicolored, uh, it's kind of a... Um, it goes to orange pages, just for yes. my, my listeners that are, so, are, are trying to so, figure out what this so, may look like. So the book, just a real quick, Greg, the book kind of takes a second to learn. And in the beginning, it'll, uh, in the beginning of the book, it'll show you or tell you how to read it. It's kind of one of those kids' books that... Um, choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah this page, uh, if this. Choose, choose your own adventure. And that, that's, the, that's the adult version of choose your own adventure. <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah, know, very it's, adult. It's, it's the very adult version. <laughs> Um, so I'm asking, I'm going to ask the expert here. I'm going to hold this up. 116P, mm-hmm. does that cover both pages or does the P designate a section of this page? No, that's kind of cover the whole. So the you whole see page. 116, that's the section. Yeah, 116. Okay. So it's covering. So what's the but, P stand for? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and say okay, that's exactly fine. what that, the that's P fair. is. All right. So I'm going to tell uh, my listeners. So if I have this book and I arrive out on the scene, the first thing that I see about this vinyl chloride is it's extremely flammable, will be easily ignited by heat, sparks, or flames. Now, we know mm-hmm. that it was on fire. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to go into play with what we're looking at. Oh, here it is. The substances designated with a P may polymerize explosively when heated or involved in a fire. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other things we know is it creates phosgene, which was mm-hmm. a chemical used in World War II as a chemical warfare weapon. That's a more common chemical than you think. Right. But it's it's just something that as it's burning off, it's you're now dealing with twofold. You're oh, dealing I'm with more. whatever's down. Well, I know you are. I'm just explaining to my listeners. <laughs> we're, we're now dealing with what's on the ground as well as what is in the mm-hmm. air. Uh, it says it gives uh, containers may explode when heated. Ruptured cylinders may rocket. I mean, that's scary if you're down on the ground, right? Yeah. That's a nice. Wow. Uh, vapors from liquefied gas are initially heavier than air and spread along the ground. So where you're walking, you know, is important. It says health. Vapors may cause dizziness or asphyxiation without warning. Some may be toxic if inhaled at high concentrations. Contact with gas or liquefied gas may cause burn, severe injury, and or frostbite. It was already six degrees there, you know, during this. Fire may produce irritating and or toxic gases. It says call 911, the emergency response telephone number on the shipping paper. If shipping paper not available or no answer, refer to appropriate telephone number on the inside back cover. Stay upwind, uphill, and upstream. Keep unauthorized personnel away. And then it repeats the many gases are heavier. So this could wind up in the sewers, basements, tanks, etc. Then gives you protective clothing, what clothing to wear. Wear uh, positive pressure, self-contained breathing apparatus. The scuba that we were talking about earlier, SCBA, Mm -hmm. right? SCBA, Uh, Structural firefighters protective clothing provides them thermal protection, but only limited chemical protection. Mm -hmm. And now here's the important part. We're going to get into what you do for an evacuation. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in East Palestine was upset because there's 4,500 people there and they're going, they only evacuate about 2,000 of us. And we're only about like a mile and a half big. Why didn't they tell us all to get out? They only evacuated part. They went by the playbook. They went by the playbook because it says right here mm-hmm. on page 168, 
you isolate the spiller leak area for at least 100 meters, 330 feet in all directions. Large spill, which is what this was, consider initial downward evacuation for at least 800 meters, half mile, and then it caught on fire and has a section for fire that says, if tank rail car or tank truck is involved in a fire, isolate for 1600 meters, one mile in all mm -hmm. directions. Also consider initial evacuation for 1600 meters, one mile in all directions. So now, as far as evacuation... The, yeah, the, so that's the, like why it takes so long to evacuate. Well, the, believe it or not... I know you don't want to like, you know, how many people have to make that call is what I'm trying to get into. Well, there's there's going to be several ways to notify people. You're going to have a, a public address go out, whether it be via... So in Delaware, we'll have something called uh, what's a DENS message. Uh, so it's a Mer Delaware Emergency Notification System. You're going to get phone calls. You're going to get the... Uh, I'm not sure if some folks get on their phones the... Uh, you'll see the the amber alerts and things like that. So there are there is several methods that we try and reach out to people. Um, so certain areas may not have those uh, those actual methods. Certain areas may not have signed on to do that. Not sure uh, if what they had to notify folks. Sometimes it'll actually be hey, we're sending out a squad car with a speaker. And we're going to go through the neighborhood to get everybody out right. to get everybody out as quickly as possible. It's not as easy as people think to just sit there. Yeah, and, and this happened late at night, so people are asleep. I get that. So, yeah. In addition to that, the the thing that I was going to touch on earlier. So, say we uh, we have an evacuation. Well, your neighbors are evacuated across the street. Well, your road is your road is your dividing line. Your that's the one mile zone. So when you put on the computer system to give a, a message to the people within the people across the street may not get the call. Correct. Right. And that's Which is, I think gonna... what happened here. People were mm -hmm. upset and that's happened in quite a few incidents. And you know, there's there, the unfortunate part is PR wise. That's probably not the easiest thing to explain to folks. Mm -hmm. However, at some point there has to be a cutoff in where you're doing it. So it's kind of, okay, yeah, you're damned. If you do damned, if you don't, why did we evacuate the, the whole city? I don't know the layout of the city. Perhaps. It's very tiny. It's, it's a total like 24 streets. Perhaps but yeah, yeah. again, I'm not on the, on the ground to be able to make that distinction, to be able to say, Hey, well, I'm excellent at just making an armchair quarterback <laughs> <laughs> and telling people what they did wrong. Well, <laughs> being a responder myself, right. you know, I, I'd, I'd hazard, I, I don't want to hazard uh, a guess on, I don't like sure. to guess with these things. Yeah. And I don't want you to, I, what I, I think I want people to know is that the response that people have been critical of, it sounds to me like everything was done straight to the T dotting mm -hmm. the I and maybe one thing that we could learn from this is that when you have a small, small town, it may not hurt just to figure out a protocol for, Hey, if we're only missing 50 homes and it's just across the street, should we just go get those people too? Should we find a way? So maybe the government can learn from this incident, something right. Um, all right. So we we're covering now how they responded to it. We now know that there is uh, lots of preparation. When does Norfolk Southern get on the scene? How fast are railroads able to actually get to their accidents? Well, there's going to be, presuming that the uh, crew on the train is still available or still um, healthy enough right. to 
respond. You're going to get the manifest from the crew on the train. So the manifest that the, that the, uh, the, the crew on the train has, that's going to, you know, as a responder, you're going to look for that, that train crew. Yeah, which, they're, they're, the crew, I think, was only a crew of like two people, mm-hmm. which was part of the problem. It was 150 plus cars. Two Believe people. it or not, that's common. Yeah. No, I, I found that out. That's mm-hmm. shocking to me, though, especially because the manifest, they weren't able to get the complete list until almost 72 hours later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when they discovered that there were other hazard chemicals mm-hmm. that were there. So let me tell you mm-hmm. uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up. Please. Uh, a listener sent me the EPA's preliminary water analysis results. Now, the EPA has since released that everything's good to go. You can drink the water and everything's good. No, thanks. Um, And that's great because it's according to the amount that's in the water, whether or not it would kill somebody, I guess, right? It's acceptable standards. It's the acceptable standards. Acceptable limits, yeah. And so when I go through this overview and I see what they found in the analysis, there were two compounds detected in sample one, 10 compounds detected in sample two, and 16 compounds in sample three. Uh, Of those, both were petroleum products on the first, three were petroleum, and three were petroleum, uh, and 13 were SVDCs. What's an SVDC? Do you know? I I don't know that I know that. Uh, We'll figure that out in just a second. Um, and again, you're not a chemist, so I'm not expecting <laughs> you to know all this stuff. No, I'm not. I'm not privy to the list that you're looking at, uh, so I'm not going to yeah. sit there and hazard a guess. I can probably ascertain it once I look at the source and what's going on. But uh, yeah. yeah, so let me let me get through to the actual amounts that were uh, found in the water because th- this is the part that I thought was uh, a little bit more. I don't know, interesting. So the I'm going to say the stuff wrong. Benzoanthracene which is also called tetraphene, all right? This was uh, one of the things that was found in the water. The limit is 0.012, all right, UGs per liter. They observed 0.68 UGs per liter, which is 57 times than the non-drink exposure limit. Okay, that's according to their guide. I have it right here in front okay. of me. And I apologize, I can't turn this no, no, away. No, no, it's quite I wish I had this hooked up to the TV so you could see it. No, it's quite all right, no. Crysine, they found the limit, according to government standards, is 0.038 UGs per liter. It was observed at 0.74, about 19 and a half times higher than the non-drink exposure limit. And then they have phenol. The limit is 1 UG per liter. It was observed at 20 UGs per liter, which is 20 times higher. Um, I guess my question is... Uh, Would I drink the water? No. Yeah. No. And you have Governor Mike DeWine going out there. He's drinking the water right from the tap. Like, it's just like some type of show they're putting on. I'm like, you know, Trump just went there yesterday. He brought in uh, 13 cases of water for people to be able to drink. Um, oh, he brought in more than 13 cases. Yeah, he, but, he brought, but not cases, pallets. Yeah, oh, he, these he, huge he, pallets, right? Yeah, he, he's yeah, br- he, yeah. He, brought in a, he brought in a boatload. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For all of you, like, well, I've bought 13 cases of BJ's last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was these huge pallets that were yeah. coming off. And, mm-hmm. and he brought food and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, our government's response was lacking. Like, our government didn't go with sucks with any of that. It did. It flat out. Uh, flat out. I don't care. Like, um, so, as I said in the beginning, I'm not going to sit there and armchair uh, or Monday morning quarterback the uh, first responders without knowing all the exact details on the response and, and different things like that. So, I won't do that. But as far as the after effects... The fact that um, Buttigieg is sitting there on 
paternity leave. Don't get me wrong. Um, hey, everybody's entitled to some leave and stuff like that. But uh, when you are the head of a freaking department for the United States government, dude, your paternity leave is canceled for a week or two. Yeah. Uh, sorry. You can get uh, that later. It's, it's you know, hey, take it on the back end, whatever. It's, it's and I didn't mean that in any funny way, but um, whatever. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to take it that way. <laughs> so, so, hey, hey, take it however you, hey, you know, have your cup of coffee and take it however you like, you know, whatever, you, you know, whatever, whatever, that's whatever. But um, the fact that the Department of Transportation head is playing games and not showing up, the fact that our president is in Ukraine when the former president is showing up to one of the biggest hazmats we've had in uh, recent history. The fact that um, FEMA is not, I'm not sure if they've initiated any sort of response uh, as of yet. So if they have in the past day or so, um, I haven't heard of it. Uh, you know, so that to me, the federal government or the big government response to me almost seems criminal. I, I'm a, I'm a, not a big fan of any of that I, I that's if you want me to go off on something with this that's exactly where you'll get me going off with it yeah well i'm not a fan of the the whole uh left that normally takes all of these things and turns it into an emotional cry mm-hmm. fest you know people in hollywood uh george clooney right normally would get up in front of people and say you know louisiana as katrina came through you know or where well, was a, where was george bush during this time well, well the, this i don't is see Ohio. any of these people saying where was joe biden during this time you know where he was giving money to ukraine or probably collecting was, a check on the back end he was in the ukraine yeah not just not just giving money but like he's continued now he left the the country and on president's day was handing out in the ukraine with Zelensky. We're going to take a break right here because I'm going to get fired up otherwise, and so are you. <laughs> All right, everybody. We keep telling you that we're going to talk about whether or not we're at war. I'm going to ask Joe a question that we spoke uh, off the show, and it led me to want to bring him on. So if you've been waiting all this time for whether we're at war, well, it's going to be worth the wait. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Average Joe, here on the America Out Loud Network. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back, Bold Americans. We are talking with Average Joe, and I've been promising listeners we're going to get to whether or not we're at war. 
And the reason why I wanted to ask this question, we were on the phone, what, earlier this week, maybe like five days ago or so. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. were having a conversation about, you know, people are asking me, Joe, they want to know, are somebody attacking us? You know, we have these balloons going overhead. We seem like we're having fires in Florida, fly, uh, fires that are chemical in Texas, the East Palestine spill. There's a pipe bomb found on railroad tracks up in Philadelphia. Uh, there's a lumberyard fire. Like, are all these things happening? And there's a huge power outage. Um, I think that's a realistic question to ask, especially knowing that we covertly took out Nord Stream Pipeline 2. Um, or Nord Stream Pipeline 1. Uh, Cy Hirsch put this report out. The White House says it's unequivocally false, but this is the guy who has spent his career on having good info <laughs> and exposing <laughs> Vietnam, exposing these type of uh, crimes. Uh, so, you know, if, if we are getting this information, Russia is getting this information, our enemies are getting this info. So here's my question. Is it a realistic possibility that there are foreign actors that are almost like cells within the United States that can recognize what's on trains, can recognize what's on the roadways, know where they're going to be traveling and attack them. Is that a real concern? Well, I know we talked about this on the phone. Um, so let me answer this way. Um, you know, for, we were talking about we our initial conversation was talking about east palestine and uh we were getting into the actual incident and i know my question to you was or my statement to you was that's you know that's all great and i can't actually speak to the actual response until i see the after action report and see what was the details of what was done and, and things of that nature you know can i comment holistically on uh response in general yes but my, I remember my statement to you was, you know, the question we should be asking or people should be asking is, why are there so many incidents? That's the question we should be asking, as you just did. So what, people need to start asking why and looking around. So this is what you have to understand just from a, a military experience and uh, my military experience, my military education, and uh, I've had others, be, other education besides just my uh, time in the Marines, but the United States, when you look at it, uh, geographically, one, the size of the country, the, uh, the location of it in the world that we have two big barriers, the Pacific and Atlantic ocean around us. Um, the fact that we have not, well, we have the most technologically or one of the most technologically advanced militaries in the world. Uh, the fact that there are a ton of personal unofficial um, uh, military personnel with homeowners um, or citizens having their own um, firearms and things. So when you look at it from a uh, tactical standpoint, if you will, the United States is not a country that is going to be attacked straight up as the first option other than say, and heaven forbid, I, I don't really, I, you know, ICBMs and all that fancy stuff, you know, so this is going to be something that is not a smart country is not going to do. Uh, folks learned with, or I think some folks did with Pearl Harbor, you know, that was simply a strategic blunder to bring us into the, into the war in, in general, but the country itself is not the easiest target on, on the surface. So 
how do you go about uh, attacking the country? So, okay, well, you create if you if you were the three-letter agencies doing doing their work uh, throughout the country. What do you do? You create political instability. Check. We can check that off. Okay, check, keep so going. Check po- I'm down with this conversation. So, so check political instability. Um, oh, hey, well, there's a virus that uh, went around and caused people to lose faith in the government, and you're uh, weakening the economy and everything else that is the effect of Dorona. And, and, and our country had the worst response out of all the countries. I mean, we had the highest death rate out of the developed world. So check that box. So check. Then you look at our country due to the size of it. And, you know, this is where I have a big gripe about our money being spent overseas. We're building infrastructure in other countries and we're doing nation building, which I am not a fan of nation building. Um, to me, democracy or some form of it has to be a homegrown thing. You can't just import it. You know, it's, you can, right. you know, that's not something that's going to happen and be successful without keeping a military presence there. When, why is the only reason that, in, in my opinion, I think the only reason that Japan and Germany after World War II became the nations that they are is because we have standing military bases there. And we kind of, for the longest period, neutered them militarily you know they have a small self-defense force and they are now building a little bit after you know what 80 um, years later 80 80 years later you know so okay cool whatever but the fact is is that that those countries didn't turn out or didn't um weren't allowed to continue on as they were because they had military sustained military presence there and heavy direction as to where they were going to go after world war ii so the thing is, is like, okay, um, why are we spending all this money overseas when one of the biggest things in our country is our infrastructure that is on almost every level failing? We, what, a few years ago, what, there was the uh, bridge collapse, there's roads that are failing, there's a power system that, you know, and it's funny, everybody wants to go to digital well, digital, how, how easy it is to hack digital, you know, what you don't hear a lot about is ransomware. So there's been, and I'm not going to uh, speak specifically about it, but there's been utilities in large cities that have had to pay ransomware. Yeah. Well, be- I, I can speak specifically on that. You know, we have Stuxnet, uh, we have the Iranian uh, Internet Guard that is one of the most powerful hackers in the entire world. Uh, they are the most dangerous military power, likely the Iranians, mm. because of what they can do from a hacking standpoint and mm. getting money from people. Uh, just yesterday, people were telling me what was going on in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, my friend Chris Michaels, uh, he was saying, you know, this bears the of Stuxnet 2.0 you know, a a cyber attack that caused this fire at this lab. Um, And that's why I'm very nervous about, yeah, we have a failing infrastructure. We've checked all the boxes you talked about. I think a big box that you're missing 
Uh, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm not done the boxes. Okay, okay. Yet. Don't You're worry. I'm not, done done, the boxes. I'm not done the boxes. Are we going to get to the border? We're going we're to get to the Okay, keep going. That's, keep that's going. one of the boxes, keep baby. Going. Keep going. I'm sorry. It's one of How the boxes. How rude of me. How rude of me. I, I, baby, I got boxes. What a, what a bad host I'm being right now. I, I, Go you know, ahead, I'm, average I'm, Joe. I'm like a Russian doll. I got boxes inside of boxes inside of boxes. <laughs> you know, um, take that for what it is, too. But uh, so you have the infrastructure. Um, when I say infrastructure, I'm talking roads, bridges, power, water, sewer, just open land resources. Um, I don't want to, uh, there's, I'll just say that our infrastructure is very open and easy because one, we have a, or supposed to, I say supposed to have a transparent society and government in which we are the freedom of speech and the people's right to know about what's in their backyard and everything is readily available. As we pointed out earlier, the ERG is available online for folks to, to check out so they can actually uh, check that out as a resource. Now with that same freedom of being an open society, you are open to know everything, but with that also comes a responsibility that, you know, there is possibility that, Hey, bad actors can cause different things. Now, if you look at it, there's also, you mentioned the border, so we'll just comment on the border or touch on that. You know, it isn't just Central Americans that are crossing over the border. If you look at it, there's actually, and I don't know the numbers, but there's actually been Chinese that have come over the border or who have been caught coming over the border in Mexico. So is that a possibility where you have bad actors and now you want to talk about apparently it's coming out that balloons have been around for a while now uh, so okay well so now the balloons or whoever owns the balloons and is taking pictures or sending data or transmitting data maybe um sitting there they have an up close and personal view that we hey from apparently we were tracking that one balloon from china all the way across the ocean and down through Alaska and Canada and all the way across the United States until we blow it up off the coast of South Carolina, yeah. you know? Uh, and then, so that's just the one that we know about, not the ones that we've, uh, we don't know about and right. that the government does. So, okay. Now one of your enemies or whatever, and a potential competitor, I'll even, I don't even want to just uh, say um, enemy, competitor on the world stage you know because whether you want to call the other countries enemies or not you know we're in a de facto cold war or de facto um, proxy war if you will but there also could be competitors for these uh, scarce resources that everybody seems to want so okay now you have either enemies or competitors however you choose to look at it Okay, now they know how um, they can, a small force, or not even a force, but small cells, as you mentioned, can sit there and weaken us from within. No, okay, so you're weakened from within. You are uh, taxing your public safety resources. You're taxing your response resources as far as the big government goes. And then, oh, hey, Oh, wow, this is funny. Why is why were the and what was it uh, two years ago or a year ago? The uh, Chinese were training, quote unquote, training in Canada. That's correct. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe three years ago it was right before the whole uh, whole pandemic. Okay, so yeah. 
Hmm, and then Trudeau said, well, we're getting rid of that. Um, but there's a lot of people in Canada that said that we never, they never really uh, got rid of that program. Ironically. Enough. So it looks like around our borders, right, we're, we're kind of under attack. We have people coming in down from Central America. In Canada, Trudeau is uh, evidence cooperating with China. We have uh, President Xi working with Vladimir Putin. We have the Nord Stream pipeline, which most likely, according to Biden, we took care of that and we cut off Germany from Russia. We've checked all these other boxes. So it's reasonable for Americans to come to the conclusion that we're at war, correct? I don't want to say it's, uh, it's, I don't want to say we're at war um, necessarily, but it is a reasonable question to ask are we? and continue to try and get, somehow get answers from our quote-unquote transparent government <laughs> you know uh this government straight up lies you can ask them a question they've already been debunked on their answer previously and no lie again they have a this leftist they they are great at gaslighting and they just like to straight up lie about things so i'm not sure if we want to say yeah, I, I, I'll jump right in. Please, here. please, please. So I was at this Rage Against the War Machine rally last Sunday, right. and I watched the way the news covered it. Rachel Maddow, she said, <laughs> there were just a few people there, right? They were all like neo-Nazis, and they show a couple Russian flags during her coverage. Well, MSNBC also had a field reporter there. And gosh darn it, the field reporter actually reported the proper way. She said, there's a gathering of libertarians, Republicans, and Democrats, and there's some fringe people here too, uh, but they just really want peace. They really want us to get out of the entanglement. When you think of the Democrats or the left, and we think about where does the lies come from, I think that it's this super far left Rachel Maddow that's ruining the country right now. It's I even go into- Wholeheartedly agree the wokeness of identity politics. Oh, it's terrible. Right? Like I, I don't have a problem with social justice. Like that's the Democrat part of me. I want everybody to have an opportunity. I don't want homeless people. I don't want the marginalized. I want to make sure that we're taking care of our brothers and sisters in this country Absolutely. and make sure that's fair. Like call me a Democrat. If that's a Democrat thing that mm -hmm. all stated somehow they've taken the moral authority on these arguments of identity politics, that if you aren't uh, worshiping at the altar of uh, transsexualism, then you're not a moral person. If you're not worshiping at the altar of the COVID vaccine, that you're a science denier and you're a bigot too. And oh, if you even try the state that, hey, you know what? People lost some rights during COVID, then you're a bigot. And how dare you compare that to Jew Jewish people or compare that to what black people may have gone through, despite the fact that you have people who lived through the Holocaust saying the exact same thing. But the left doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. So we definitely have lies from our media, but I see it as the people that are in charge right now. They're following almost a script. Tara Reid, who is President Biden's uh, ex-Senate aide, she told me, Greg, do you know that Joe Biden, back when I worked with him and still to this day, has a talent agent? He has a Hollywood agent. And that Hollywood agent works with Sean Penn and works with all these other celebrities. So that way they can peddle the same message out. Now, I'm not saying no other president does that. Maybe Trump has a talent agent, too. I don't know that. But that should scare the living hell out of everybody listening to the show 
that we have talent agencies that are directing our president and celebrity culture and the people on the left, because it's really the people on the left in Hollywood. Yeah. Right. We have people crafting these messages of lies or deceit, half truths, not they, even half truths. Not, not well, no, but I think, I think there is part they, of a half truth, right? Because when people talk about, uh, that's just a good way of lying. Yeah, you're right. So, it's the spin room. Yeah. yeah. You, you could, you could take a kernel of, of truth and then you lie about it. So then you're saying, oh, I'm not lying. Right. You know, I'm just talking about the facts. No, you're lying about the facts. All right. Well, here's what, what concerns me. So as everybody keeps saying, you know, Greg, are we under attack? Are we under attack? The chicken farms, they're set on fire. And I did research, you know, chicken farms actually catch on fire pretty commonly in the United States. There's not the rate we're doing. Yeah. The rate I, we're doing is extreme. Specifically, there should be about 400 fires of chicken farms per year based upon averages. Just as like there should be about 1,100 trained derailments per year. The problem is these trained derailments shouldn't all be chemical trained derailments. Mm -hmm. These should be very minor trained derailments that get reported into those numbers. We're seeing major trained derailments, yep. major failings of infrastructure. 100%. So... I, I'm gonna we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about wrap this up for one final part. What I'm concerned about is I feel like we're putting the blueprint for our enemies right in front of them, and the left is almost helping them. And so I want to kind of cover that a bit. No problem. I think we can cover that. You know, we can cover or we can. The question you have to ask is: Is it a foreign actor? Or is it local? Oof. Who knows? All right, everybody, you're listening to That's America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Average Joe, here on the America Out Loud Network. You know how special this show is? You're getting four segments. I never do four segments. We'll be right back. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Bold Americans. This is the last segment of the show. I promise. I know this has been a long one, but hopefully it's been an informative episode with Average Joe. You got a hazmat expert, somebody who has been uh, in the forefront of this industry as emergency management for years. Uh, so you're getting good info from here, and hopefully I'm asking the right questions that you would want to know. Here's where my mind was going when I was speaking with Average Joe earlier this week, and it goes into what he was just saying, you know, 
are these foreign uh, possibilities or is it something that might be more local, meaning is something in the United States that we have some type of people wanting to harm us and do us wrong? There are apps now, right? We have, you said earlier, there's an app for that. Mm -hmm. There's an app now for almost everything. You can see what type of plane is overhead. You can find out if it's a military plane, if it's a commercial plane. You can also see what's going on the railroads around you. Rail. You can also see ships that are um, coming, going, the ports, coming yep. in and out of the ports. So the question, you know, really is, okay, we is the possibility of foreign actors causing this in response to the Nord Stream or some other issue or us further aligning with uh, Ukraine, perhaps. But the other question, other side of that coin is, is this something that is local, whether it be a local local groups or heaven forbid uh, some sort of false flag by the government, you know, not sitting here trying to, you know, cast aspersions on the government, but because goodness knows I don't need to be on a watch list in, in any sort. Um, you know, the thing is, is we should be asking questions. What, what, and why, what, what, why, you know, why is this happening? Why all at once? This is, seems kind of uh, questionable and people should question things, you know, and you were talking about as far as knowing and having information, that's part of the cost of living in a free and supposed or supposedly free and transparent society that we have this information available. Now in that same vein, that's available to bad actors, foreign or domestic. And that does leave us open for certain uh, issues. And I'm not going to sit here and list all the possibilities, but infrastructure, if you are trying to weaken our country or a country in general, infrastructure is a big thing. What do you, what did they do in all the, you know, world war two and things like that, blow up the bridges, cut the power, whatever. You know different things like that yeah we live right alongside the i-95 corridor mm -hmm. and i've often thought there are several bridges along this corridor if you took the bridges out you would absolutely cripple the northeast for at least six months to two years 100 mm -hmm. is that anything that you've ever heard in planning before in emergency management was that any something that was well know? i can honestly say that there is um so okay so there's You've already touched on the fact that, yes, I've been involved in uh, drills and exercises to think of these things. So, and it's kind of um, as a responder and both in, you know, whether it be fire, hazmat, medical, or uh, law enforcement or military, you have to think of almost, um, almost like a bad guy or almost like the uh, person that you're trying to help and say, okay, um, not help the bad guys, but help uh, if you're an EMS, okay, how's this patient reacting or fire, you know, how's this, um, victim in the fire going to react and law enforcement, how's this criminal going to react? If I was a criminal, what would I do? And you have to start looking at those things and asking questions. And so they, there are hostile action based drills and exercises for different, uh, facilities. Um, one that is actually drilled, I can say, uh, because it's a public thing. Um, FEMA drills a uh, hostile action based drill for the radiological or the nuclear plants that are within the country. You know, it, every drill or every site has a drill uh, every few years to test 
hostile action-based response in case somebody wanted to attack one of the plants. They have a response plan for that. Right. So, and not just that, but there's other things like, okay, hey, what happens if there's an attack here? You know, and you look at past incidents and you try to say, okay, so, well, this is possible here. Let's, how do we harden our defenses? How do we respond to it? So that makes sense. Okay. So we know that people are, are constantly thinking in those terms. You know, I, I think if I were to be a foreign country and I wanted to cripple this country, the way that I would fire a warning shot is to put chemical spills, put things in very uh, rural areas where there's not a lot of people that live there to send a message to the president, to send the message to the country that, hey, we have the ability to get attacks within your own country. And so I think that that's the first part that I, I, if I'm thinking that way, other people are as well. So I think that's the first part about East Palestine that people are sensitive to. They're going, hmm, why here? Why next to the Ohio River? Why, you know, is this a warning shot? But I think what really scared me was yesterday, or I guess now two days ago, uh, this uranium fire. You know, I immediately went on, you can publicly uh, available data to look at the uh, radiation meters that are around the United States to see if there was anything elevated in the uh, Tennessee area, Kentucky area, West Virginia, Virginia, just following that Northeast wind. And I didn't see uh, anything really updating. Matter of fact, there was a message on the page saying uh, due to, you know, some circumstances that they were not able to provide updates as quickly. Hmm. And part of me just had that mistrust of government just pop in right then and there going, oh, how convenient. We have a uranium fire, and now we're putting a thing saying, hey, well, these may not be accurate, what we have here. Can't say I blame you for questioning it. And the fact is, you know, or another question that I have, you you think rural areas because there's not a lot of population and you're trying to, perhaps if you are an outside actor, send a send a warning quote unquote right um you know we had the same capabilities to do the same to other countries mm -hmm. and you know may or may not have happened to the uh, we, Nord Stream pipeline yeah. you know wink wink nudge nudge i don't know you know <laughs> you know the we had the the leader of our country sitting basically saying we're going to take it out and then said oh no we didn't do that <laughs> dude really Right. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. He goes, we can do that. <laughs> then, bam, <it's> done. <laughs> and then, then bam, all of a sudden it's done. Okay. Hey, is that some sort of, you know, hey, I, I don't know. Could, could that be some sort of, okay, uh, yeah, Russia did it themselves. Okay. How does that serve? The question I always ask people, how does it serve um, these people to do certain things? Why did, what, to what end? are these things happening? Well, the, the rules of engagement, right? When mm -hmm. you take out somebody else's infrastructure in a covert way, the rules of war, and there are rules for war. Supposedly. Supposedly, right? But I mean, there's a general- All's fair in love and war. That's correct. There's a general playbook that says, if somebody takes something out covertly, then you have permission to do your own covert operation back as a retaliation that you do not have to publicize it as an act of war, correct? Well, that's a, that's a debatable question there. You know, I, it's, is it an act of war? Were we responsible for it? Question mark, you know, are we, and so does that by his actions, I mean, by his, I mean, uh, old Joey boy, 
uh does uh and he is not average that's for sure uh that's that's a different character below average joe <laughs> there you go there you go they don't don't associate him with me not in any way <laughs> just because we're stuck here just because we're all from delaware <laughs> do, do not associate that guy with me but uh anyway that's that's a unique character there but um yeah that you it's fair to question it you know i don't want to sit here and say one way or the other because one I'm not, I don't have, I'm not a terrorism. Do I have some? That's not your expertise. Uh, I, I am I not it. an expertise. Okay. In That's that. fine. That's but, fine. you know, do, am I aware of these hazards as a, you know, part of my previous job? Yes. I'm aware of these hazards, but there are other more versed people in, in that field. And, but the thing is, I can also check the boxes for like, we just went over. You missed one. What box is that? Uh, the ones about taking Americans' guns away. So there's your internal actor or domestic. Right. So, okay, we've just weakened the country some more. Um, I, the, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is one of the, you brought it up during your points, that one of the great deterrences of foreign countries is they know that there's tens of millions of guns, if not hundreds of millions of guns, in the hands of Americans throughout the country. And that's one of the things that scares people. You can't go into the neighborhoods. You can't go into the cities because you're not just fighting the military. You're now fighting American citizens. Wolverines. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, it seems like every time I come on here, I've got to quote some sort of movie, you right. know? I, I, so that's, uh, that's it's Ghostbusters that's, last time. Go, Ghostbusters last time, Red Dawn this time, you know, not that I'm looking forward to any of that. You, you made, you made two, uh, Two Ghostbusters, right? Did I do Ghostbusters two? I don't know, one and two, or just two? I think think you did. I got to go back and listen. But I I thought I remember you covered two movies in one show. Um, It was impressive. Uh, So uh, yeah, let's let's kind of wrap this up for people into a tight little bow. So I'm thinking that we should be having a conversation at this point with our eyes wide open. Hundred percent. We should be starting to look at these things and saying. All right. Can we get somebody, independent journalist like Cy Hirsch, uh, people in my elk? I'm not saying myself, but people in my elk as far as alternative media to start doing the investigative journalism on the ground. People need to question things right. with, uh, you know, people need to start without being called names without being labeled. called. And that's what that's what the freedom of speech was supposed to Correct. be. However, no speech is free, as we well know in today's society. There is a cost to it, sadly. And, you know, with that, it, when there is a cost to speech that, it, or that is too high for people to bear, they stop questioning things. Right. So is that another thing that they're purposely trying to do that, hey, because, you know, normal, normal middle of the road folks, they don't want to be shouted down. So they just right. say, okay, I'm just going to go along to get along. And because they don't want to be bothered by things and like, oh, I can't have an opinion on this because... I'm going to be shouted down or I may get, you know, canceled at work or what yeah, have you. your job, you know, yeah, livelihood. So, you know, but I think it is critical, absolutely critical that people question, you know, um, my, obviously with us, you know, we were a little bit prepared and, and, you know, for different things um, as we've discussed right. uh, privately, you know, but people need to ask questions and start paying attention to multiple media sources and sit there and say, Hmm, maybe I should piece these things together. Don't listen to as many opinionated media sources. Try to get some dry, hard facts. And then, yeah, okay, you're going to have your media sources that may be a little biased, what have you. 
but try and get as many dry hard facts for yourself. Start questioning things and trying to piece them together. Do you ever see the meme with the guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's yeah. he's pulling his hair out and he's gone bonkers, but he's got the red string the conspiracy drums. theories going across. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and that is. I mean, what did yeah. you, you know, I, I sent you the message uh, a, a while ago, like, you know, the, hey, uh, with the 12 different possibilities for what's going to happen, for what's yeah. going to happen, you know, hey, yeah. what could happen this year? And, you know, I said we should start a pool on, you right. know, oh, hey, aliens landed in July. Um, so, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, hey, Greg won July, you know, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's this, but, and, and all, all joking aside, it's the ability to question and to, or to at least see, get facts, see them uh, for what they are, start saying, okay, let's piece these things together. Are they interrelated or are they not? And sit there and question things. And but I'm concerned. You should be. I think uh, everybody should be. I'm highly concerned that uh, a Twitter account like mine mm-hmm. that has, you know, just about 1,600 followers, that's it, right? Now, my show's got reach because it gets retweeted and stuff. But I'm concerned that I go down to D.C. and then all of a sudden I have these people with Ukrainian flags in their profile pic calling me an anti-Semite for attending this rally. When meanwhile, I have no dog in the fight, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I literally went there as a journalist to interview people and try to tell the story. And what I found was a peace rally, much like what happened in Vietnam, mm-hmm. but yet I'm getting ad hominem attacks. Somebody like myself, not a lot of followers, right? It's not like you're going after big fish in the sea, mm-hmm. but it's these people that have like 62 followers uh, or follow, you know, 50 people. And all of a sudden I'm going, huh, are these foreign actors or are these domestic people that have organized in order to make sure people don't think for themselves. And when I see the media coverage and I see Rachel Maddow, what she says that contradicts exactly what the video footage I have is on the ground, then I know that our media is lying to us. I know that MSNBC has lied. I've seen CNN lying. I saw the lack of some of the majors that were not there. Mm-hmm. And I'm very concerned about the people that just go, oh, Tulsi Gabbard, she's a Russian agent. That's why she spoke there. Um, you know, that shows the, the, the brainwashing, the lack of critical thought. And so if it can happen to me, imagine the scale that that's happening to Tulsi Gabbard. That's what I'm afraid of. And the problem I have with that is that I have a huge problem with that. She is, is still a military officer in the reserves or guard there and uh, in, she, she in, had major so. security around her too and, well in, in addition to that but that you know so so for people to and I, I forget whether it was somebody that was actually in um in congress that made some sort of um assertion to to that effect that she was some sort of uh ba- i don't know sabotage with russia working against us right yeah yeah she was she was something for something you know something negative you know what that is that is not just a um a casual aspersion she is you know still under the ucmj you know uniform code of military justice um so for them to sit there and do that that is ridiculous that is them going after her and literally saying hey um, you could be punished for, for this. And she's being, I'm, I'm sure she's probably being questioned and investigated and 
God bless her. She should absolutely, you know, file for every sort of um, means to sit there and have a cease and desist order or whatever. But she should not be having to deal with those kind of assertions from especially from members of Congress when they're just simply trying to gaslight and point the finger away from their bullcrap. Right. You know, I Tulsi seems from everything that I've, you know, gleaned from her uh, public appearances seems to be a straight shooter and they're afraid of her. You know, she demolished um, Kamala in the debates, and she's a rational, sane, middle-of-the-road person who... And Pete Buttigieg. Uh, oh, she yes. She destroyed him on stage. And there you go. So, anyway, so I'll, I'll leave you with this. I know we, we're, we're running a little bit long. People need to get facts, straight, dry facts from multiple resources so that they can sit there and kind of piece them together they need to question things, absolutely question things. And to be honest, it's a kind of a, um, a terrorism saying or whatever by government. But if you see something, say something, say something yeah. question, question it. If you have, if you see something funky on the road, you see something, you know, some rail work being done, quote unquote, by your house or whatever, call it in, say, Hey, is there rail work being done in this area? Or is there, you know, what have you, if you see something that is out of the ordinary, question it. And sadly, in today's society, we're shouted down for questioning things. And in a free society, you should not be shouted down for questioning things. Right. So, so just to recap what we've talked about today, uh, we start off our conversation, talk about East Palestine. What we discovered is, should you trust the government? Well, let's not take it out on any of those local workers that were there to try to save lives and treat the accident, uh, to the degree that they treated it. I mean, they would put their lives on the line to try to keep people safe. And so if you're throwing shade at firefighters in that area, do not do that. Get the facts first before you sit there and cast aspersions. The other thing we've learned is, is the water safe? Well, it seems like uh, from what Average Joe has shared, there are uh, certain legal limits that have been set or government standard limits. And as long as it doesn't hit that standard limit, they're going to tell you it's all good. That does not mean that it can't harm you. So therefore, maybe you want to drink some bottled water if you're listening from East Palestine. I know I have some people in East Palestine listening to the show because of the coverage from last week. God bless, folks. Yep. So we, we are our I know this is the cliche, right? The Democrats hate this, but our thoughts and thoughts and prayers are with them. Absolutely. 100%. And then after that, we, we cover that there is a response that gets followed according to the ERG guidebook and um, other, other and, and other yeah. uh, resources as mm-hmm. well. And it sounds like that they followed that to the T, which is why some people are upset that it wasn't a larger evacuation. Uh, and then after that, we talked about whether or not this country is under attack in any way, shape or form, how that would be. Uh, we covered that pretty extensively. I think that gave some people some things to talk about. Um, and I think what we're coming down to is the, the point of the show, ask questions, have dialogue and get good information, get good information the best you can. And hopefully we began that for listeners today to get that good information so they can go out with the information we provided and start to figure out what else. So what are some of your final thoughts? Well, I I think you, you hit the nail on the head with all of that, you know, um, get good information from quality resources vet, you know, don't just, um, sit there and take somebody's, um, YouTube short or somebody's clip or whatever, which nowadays can be clipped from anything and sit there and say, Oh, this is fact. No, check it check the with multiple re and yes people ask how do i do that because i don't know i'm just watching the six o'clock news or i'm just seeing what comes up in my feed 
Well, folks, when you um, watch certain things online, you have a certain algorithm in your that Facebook, all the other social media starts to feed you things that you quote unquote want to, they think you want to see or stuff that they want you to see. So whether it be for advertising purposes or whatever. So check your resources from multiple angles in addition to vetting who these people are, making, making sure they're credentialed in what they're talking about. You know, somebody with no experience, you know, who sits there and, you know, spouts off like they know everything. You got to ask, why are they doing that and who they are? You know, um, I have my expertise in certain fields, but even myself, I do not claim to be the end all be all. As I said in the beginning, there are smarter people than me in the room. The, uh, the other thing is knowing how to communicate with those smarter people in the room and come up with the best solution that you can. So question things, look for good information and try and piece all the puzzle pieces together because it's getting kind of spicy out there. It's very spicy out there, but uh, it's it's nice and comfortable and warm in this podcast, and we're glad that you joined us today. We hope that we honored your time well here. Uh, we have Average Joe and myself, and uh, Average Joe, uh, where can people find you? You started a Twitter page. Do you remember what your handle is? Because I know you're not too active yet, but you're, you're I'm looking not, to get active. I'm, I'm not too active on Twitter. Um, it really, uh, I kind of want to just get out there and get some information out to folks, but um, and I'm starting that out slowly. Um, started the Instagram, which, um, is average Joe prep. I will be having a, a YouTube channel with that. Um, soon I have the name, same thing, average Joe prep. Um, really I want to get information for the normal folks instead of the dichotomy of information that is out there. You know, it's not one end or the other. I want to get folks quality information as best as I can get it. Even if it's not from me directly and sit there and say, Hey, here you go. Here's the information, whether it be for preparedness or some other comments that we get into down the road. So uh, look out for that. But basically start out with the IG and I'll have uh, some more of that coming out. Yeah. And we're going to get you back on the show because listeners after the first session said, you know, I understand prepping. Can you give me like a shopping list for specifics for scenarios? So we're going to get you back on. We're going to start breaking down like here's what you need for this here's what you need for that different scenarios and do different segments so hey i'm down for that brother you know i appreciate you having me on thank you very much appreciate you being here all right everybody we're going to wrap up it's been a great time we gave you a nice long show for your friday that you can take into the weekend with you so you'll be ready for monday's episode everyone that's it that is all You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden and my special guest, Average Joe, here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.